How are you guys doing today? Come on, let's put our hands together for everybody here in the room who woke up early. When I was doing that illustration, uh, when I did the, the illustration, everybody was like, Pastor Mike, we're the ones who wake up early to seek God. You're speaking to the wrong audience. Tell that to the 5 p.m. tonight. Um, how many of you guys are coming back for our deliverance and healing night tonight? Invite your friends. I want to give you permission to actually invite your friends. So go ahead and text them now and tell them, I want to see you at the 5 p.m. service tonight. And people are like, Pastor Mike, why are you doing a mass deliverance? Can I just tell you, when you study the ministry of Jesus, did you know that sometimes he laid his hands on them and prayed that they would recover from their sickness? But then other times he said, spirit of infirmity come out. Spirit of infirmity. <gasps> Can you imagine going to the doctor and they come back with your results and they're like, hey, here's your diagnosis. It's a spirit of infirmity. Now, did you know that many illnesses are never healed and they're never properly diagnosed because their origin is demonic, not physical? And there's a spirit of infirmity that needs to come out. You know how I know that? I experimented with it. And it, across the last year, I began to pray that God would release people from a spirit of infirmity and they got healed from sicknesses and illnesses that they had never been healed of ever before. So uh, tonight, 5 p.m., I cannot emphasize it enough, we have people confirmed coming out from Pennsylvania. We have people confirmed coming out from New Jersey and all over New York City, the boroughs, and uh, Long Island. And so it's gonna be absolutely nuts. And the deliverance started during our dream team meeting this morning. Freedom's already happening, guys. And so uh, God can start it now. Is that all right? Why don't you take your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me? And how many of you are hungry to really learn the scriptures? Gideon's army, huh? <laughs> now, if you've ever heard a sermon before about the gifts of the Spirit, I'm asking your permission as your lead pastor for you to forget what you learned and learn what revelation God wants to bring of his word to our house. Because this sermon is scandalous. And in most churches, do you know that we've had a large number of people reach out to us and say, Pastor Mike, the things that you are teaching on on a weekly basis through V1 Church are things that I've waited my entire life to hear about, but I've never heard about it. Can I just tell you why most pastors don't teach on the gifts of the Spirit? How real can I be? How close are we? Are we close? Because you got to know who you're talking to when you're talking to them. Like, are we close online? Are we close? Can I be real? Not, not all, but a lot of pastors are control freaks. And <laughs> Satan loves control freaks. He's the original control freak. He was in heaven and said, I think I could do it as good or better. You know that I can do it better in this environment? You know where that thought originated? Lucifer. <laughs> and then God expelled him and one-third of the angels out of the perfect environment of heaven. And uh, we have this spiritual warfare. And so a lot of pastors are control freaks because they're like, what would happen if you and you and you and you and you all received the gifts of the Spirit and started operating them? How could I possibly control that? Well, guess what? The gifts of the Spirit are not to be controlled. They're to be administrated by the Holy Spirit. And I don't trust people, just like other pastors don't trust people, but I choose not control, but submission to the Holy Spirit. And I trust that when he said he's not a God of disorder, but of God of peace, that when the gifts of the Spirit are released and activated, it's still going to be peace, not disorder. I trust the Holy Spirit. Does anybody, wave at me if you trust the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then can I tell you the second reason why you'll you very rarely will hear a sermon on the gifts of the Spirit? Can I tell you reason number two? Come on, how close are we? Because this is what we're saying is dangerous right now. This, this, this kind of stuff gets me in trouble. <laughs> the other reason why you don't hear it, oh gosh. Are we really close? I'm not gonna say this one loud. A lot of pastors 
needs you to believe that they're holier than you and that they have secret knowledge that you can't have so that you stay needing them. So it's people who need to be needed. If I know the Bible better than you, before I die, I failed. Because if I have to know the Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, historical context, and I lord that knowledge over you, I didn't lead you like Jesus would. Because Jesus actually said, hey, you got real excited about what I did, right? It's better I go away because you're about to do greater. So a lot of pastors, they, they don't teach on the gifts of the Spirit because they're intimidated by the idea of you prophesying better than them. They're intimidated about the idea of you preaching better than them. You know what? My goal is to be the worst preacher on our team. Because I want to give every secret I ever learned, every skill I ever learned away, and like a proud father, cheer them on to the greater things. That's the heart. So that's reason number two you don't hear this. Because when you start talking about miracles, oh man, what's going to happen if the miracle happens in the parking lot, but now not on the stage? How do I, get, how do I ask for a tithes and offering in the parking lot? I told you I'm being real. But guess what? We don't care about that stuff here. <laughs> I'm not a control freak. And my ego is like John the Baptist who said, I decrease so that he can increase. Okay? So this, we're going through a series called Battle Ready. All my notes in their entirety are available to you on our V1 Church mobile app. Many people download the app and go through the notes each week. And I just want to tell you, I trust the Holy Spirit. And I believe that at the conclusion of this summer, you're going to graduate with this badge like a sergeant in the army of the Lord and say, man, I am such a battle-ready soldier. So I want to start with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. It says, covet earnestly the best gifts. Say that phrase with me just so you can hear yourself say it. Say, covet earnestly. Covet earnestly. So let's talk about coveting because I'm like, Pastor Mike, I'm familiar enough with the Bible to know that coveting is something we're not supposed to do, right? So if coveting is something that we're not supposed to do, like don't covet your neighbor's wife, why would, why would we be told to covet earnestly spiritual gifts? Because if you really know what it means to covet, it means you want it real bad, like so bad it feels sinful. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Covet earnestly. And so the biggest thing that I can... Let's just bring this mic down significantly, guys. They can hear me just fine. I don't want the feedback. I, I have to concentrate. Thank you. Okay, so to covet, much better, thank you. To covet earnestly, say that phrase with me again, covet earnestly. Okay, so let me give you the definition. Covet means to yearn to possess. To yearn to possess. And then earnestly means with sincere and intense conviction. With sincere, like, I just really want that car. I want that Range Rover, the white one with the big rims. So bad, because everyone on Long Island has one. I have no idea how, but they all have one except for me. And I want one if you're watching online and you have the ability. I'm just kidding. I, I sincerely and intensely Want it. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says, it says, earnestly covet the best gifts. So isn't it crazy that we are commanded by scripture to want spiritual gifts, but we attend churches around the world that never teaches us how to even get them? What a cruel reality. So let's talk about the gifts of the spirit. Write this down for your notes. Number one, there's many different ways to experience the love of the father through his people. There's many different ways to experience the love of the Father through his people. So the gifts of the Spirit are distributed among God's people, and each gift gives you the opportunity to experience God's love through people. 
It's his love through people. When Pastor Kiel is teaching her heart out through the tithe and offering portion, you're receiving the love of the Father through the gift that he gave her for proclamation and preaching. And so you know the love of the Father better and differently because you've encountered it through Pastor Kiel. And then when you come up to receive prayer, and one of our prayer team's lay, members lay their hand on you. They've been given a gift from God to minister to you that reveals the love of the Father, and you know his love differently, and you know it a little bit better because you got a piece of the puzzle from a prayer team member. Does that make sense? And that's why these fanatical church people keep coming back to church because they're like, I get a dose of the love of the Father through Pastor Kiel's preaching and proclamation, and then I get another understanding of it from the prayer team, and then when I'm shoulder to shoulder with the dream team serving, their gift is next to my grace gift, and I have so many revelations of God's love. That's why we want our church to grow, because it grows in revelations of God's love as the gifts of the Spirit are activated in the diversity of those represented. Number two, each gift opens up another way, another way, a unique way. Prophecy is a way of revealing the love of God. It's not something that should be weird. It's not something that should be scary or intimidating. It should be an expression of God's love, even when it's rebuke. I know Pastor Chase is a good father because I've seen him discipline his kids. And I say, get him, Pastor Chase. <laughs> and so I've received hard words. I'll never forget, there was a known evangelist who had a prophetic gift, the gift from the Spirit. He called me out as a teenager. So I was just sitting in the seats, just like you're sitting in the seats. And he looked at me, he said, young man, come up front. And he said, you are getting ready to go through the worst season of your life that you've ever encountered. And I was like, wow, praise God for prophecy. <laughs> and he said, this is a true story. He said, you've never suffered like you're getting ready to suffer. But the Lord is going to uphold you. The Lord is going to strengthen you. And you're going to be fashioned into the man that he's called you to be as a result of this trial. And so God is giving you endurance and God is going to strengthen you through it. Sure to his word, the season shifted. The word was fulfilled. And the entire time I went through the pain of that process, his word said the Lord already gave me endurance to make it through. So I encountered the Father's heart and his love through the gift that he placed in that evangelist and that prophetic word. I'm just here to tell you, you will not be a successful husband without the gifts of the Spirit. You will not be a successful single person. You will not be a successful business person. There's no success in business like you'll encounter as the gifts of the Spirit are in operation through you. Because you won't have employees, you'll have sons and daughters. <laughs> And that's what the world's yearning for. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says, Now there are diversities of gifts. Somebody say that phrase, diversities of gifts. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm different. Now look to the other one you ignored and say, I'm different. You know you turn to your favorite first, right? You just reveal. I'm sorry I just created enmity in the rose. <laughs> You're different. And there's a freedom in that. Low self-esteem is a result of not seeing the difference that God created you with. The root of rejection and competition tries to get you to want what someone else said. And the scriptures say, earnestly covet the best gifts. The best gift is your gift not wanting my gift. Ha! Because it's not that you can elevate certain gifts of the Spirit above other gifts of the Spirit. It's just that the best gift is the one that you're supposed to have. And so it says, earnestly covet the best gift. That means you might want to be a preacher, but I might have to slap you in the back of the head and say, you are not a preacher. Nobody will wants to suffer through your preaching. 
come on, there's some people that can't preach. Just because you watched a clip on Instagram doesn't make you a preacher. You know, some people, you need to be told, you know, everybody's saying, we tell the body of Christ, stand up. I'm the prophet who tells them, sit down. <laughs> sit your booty down. You, you're going to be judged by, you, the Bible says that preachers are due double honor, but we're also under double judgment. You don't even know God well enough to preach on his behalf. You don't even talk to the person you're espousing his thoughts of. See what I'm saying? You should, if you, even if you feel like you have a gift to preach, you should be like, I don't know about that. I trust a Jonah <laughs> more than I trust somebody. I trust somebody jumping off the boat more than I trust somebody jumping in it. Because it's scary a lot of times people want to preach to feed their ego because they live by people's praises. The only problem with that is you'll die by their criticisms. Some of you, <laughs> some of you couldn't even survive the comment section on most of my posts throughout the week. Your ego, you would be so distracted. It would ruin your week to see one comment section under your social media that I deal with every hour. I'm just being mean. <laughs> but why do I say that? Earnestly covet the best gifts. You have a gift. You have a gift. You have a lot of them. Okay, there's nine gifts that are specifically listed in scripture, and I want you to think about them as three, three, three. Okay? And you can write this down in your notes. There are nine gifts that are specifically listed. And, you know, there's a lot of theology around the gifts of the Spirit. Are there more than those that are listed? Are there different ones? For the sake of that theological discussion, I want to present to you in simplicity the idea of breaking the gifts into threes, because then if there is more diversity beyond that, it can flow from within the categories that I provide to you. So three, three, and three. Okay, here's the first three, to say something. The first three are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, but they fall under the umbrella of to say something. So I spoke in tongues because the Spirit gave me the gift of tongues to speak in other languages. And sometimes you speak in the languages of men. In Acts 2, it said that they declared the gospel message in, in the tongues of men so that those who were listening could understand the gospel presentation. I shared a story a couple of weeks ago about how I spoke in an archaic ancient Italian that was saying, Sarah, I will wash you clean. Sarah, I will make you whole. My sister's name is Sarah. And so the Lord has used me to speak in the tongues of men that I did not know in my mind. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to do a deeper study about the biological implications of speaking in tongues because there's a famous study that was done where they hooked up people's brains because the, the, the biological term for tongues is glossolalia. And so when they, they wanted to see from a scientific perspective what happens when people speak in tongues and they, they do this practice. You can watch this on YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll do a video about it this week so you watch my video and not someone else's. Um, <laughs> so, but they did a study and they said, there was some, they said, we don't know if it's spiritual. We don't know if it's just a natural phenomenon. But what we do know is when these Christians, these believers begin to speak in tongues, the, the language center of their brain was shut off and another portion of the brain that we very rarely see blood flow to to that degree begins to activate. So we, one thing that science was able to conclude is that when someone's speaking in tongues, they are not using the same portion of their brain that they use for their native language. And I encourage you to look that up. But then there's another, there's prophecy, and then there's an interpretation of tongues. Now, if you've never been in an environment where tongues are being interpreted, I don't know why I feel like I'm gonna cry. It's beautiful. And just the church has really screwed it up because I've been in services where they've said, thus they saith the Lord, the force is with you. And I'm like, that's not from God. <laughs> you know, interpretation of tongues is powerful when it's done in order, when it's the Holy Spirit and it's beautiful because I've been in services where I've heard somebody speak in tongues and then someone else says, and, and I, the Lord, loves you with an everlasting love. I remember the words. I mean, it makes me want to cry. I love you with an everlasting love. And they begin to prophesy and the whole church begin to weep. It's beautiful. 
You're not going to hear this in most churches. I'm just telling you straight up. The, the cookie cutter, vanilla, granola pastors are afraid to talk about this because they're control freaks and they want it clean. They want their services neat. You know what kind of services we have? Buy the barf bags. People are going to vomit demons out. It's a different wineskin. But did you know that Jesus introduced the ministry of deliverance to the world? It was a gift. He said, deliverance is the children's bread. You didn't have deliverance before Jesus. You had David playing his instrument and soothing the demonization of Saul, but he was never delivered. But Jesus came to set the captives free. Isaiah 61 was fulfilled through the work of deliverance that Jesus brought to the earth. And you know what? It started in the synagogue. It started in the synagogue. He cast a demon out of a man in a synagogue. It was a gift. Okay, let me keep going. The other three. So we have another three. The, the second category is to know something. So you can write this down in your notes. To know something. These are revelation gifts. Wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits is to know something. So let me say it again. To, to, to know something. This is the revelation gifts. The gift of wisdom. The gift of knowledge and discerning of spirits. Pastor Mike, where's this in the Bible? Jesus meets a woman at the well. I know how many husbands you have. How did he know? Who told him? He had a gift that was in operation. She became an evangelist. She went back to her town, said, there's somebody who knows something about me that I never told him. And because of that, I want, the, I want everybody I know to know him. When you have encountered the word of knowledge, sometimes I'll be on the broadcast and I'll say, there's somebody watching right now because the Lord gives me knowledge and I'll begin to say things. Matter of fact, there was a guy, I've said this story before, but he's in uh, the training under a very renowned guru. I won't say his name for the sake of the broadcast, but a, a motivational speaker who teaches the psychology behind how to speak to people to access their emotions. And they teach them what words to say, what facial expressions to make, to unlock the human being so that through the means of motivational speaking, they can access somebody's emotions. But it's disconnected from the Spirit of God. These are just gurus. I won't say his name. You would all know him. But this guy is in that guy's organization and he's trained by him. I saw the guy's little avatar on Facebook. The prophetic activated in me and I read his name and I began to say, the Lord says, and I started speaking about his situation. I started prophesying. That man flew from one state all the way to California to meet me in person, stood in a line for two and a half hours to meet me and said, I flew out here to tell you that in our organization, no one could ever train anyone to do what you did on Facebook in the comments section. And he says, I'm here because I want to surrender to that God. The gifts of the spirit are the blue check mark verification of the kingdom. The gifts of the spirit is the license plate on the back of your bumper. It's the one that says you're legal by the kingdom standards. You are an ambassador of the kingdom. You drive around New York without license plates and you see how long that lasts. And you've got ministers ministering without legal approval from the kingdom. But when you show up with the gifts of the Spirit, they'll say there is no denying that person is a legal resident of a distant place called heaven. And whatever happens there is normal in their life. We're not sometimes supernatural. We're all the time supernatural. We don't pray sometimes. We pray without ceasing because prayer isn't just speaking. It's listening. We're not confused. Come on, if you're confused, that ends with a relationship with the Holy Spirit. James chapter one, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Above, remember that word from weeks ago? Above and come down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, variableness, neither shadow or turning. The last three gifts are the do something gifts. Power gifts, faith healings and working of miracles. I wish we had a Catherine Coleman in our midst. 
I wish we had an Amy Simple McPherson in the crowd. I wish we, come on somebody. I wish we had a John G. Lake in our midst. I wish there was a Smith Wigglesworth getting ready to shave a mustache. Smith Wigglesworth had a righteous mustache. These are the do something gifts, the power gifts, faith. Everybody say faith. Everybody say healings. Everybody say workings of miracles. I want you to say it because this is not my job. I'm using my gift. Are you? Come on now. I'll print you out your ordination and hand it out on the way out if that's what you need. It's like Wizard of Oz. You know, they said, I need a brain. And Wizard of Oz said, you never would have got this far if you didn't already have one. Sometimes we're like, well, Pastor Michael, do the spiritual work. That's not going to work on Judgment Day. Not that excuse. What if I told you that God wants to use you in a powerful way? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. And there is a difference of administrations, but the same Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now, I want to give you a definition of manifestation because Christians love that word. And actually, recently, manifestation has been co-opted by the witchcraft realm. It's been co-opted by the Power of Positive Thinking Club. It's been, oh, guess how far positive, guess how far positive thinking will get you? Not outside your driveway. <laughs> Matter of fact, people end up more disillusioned on the other side of the power of positive thinking because it doesn't work. So you keep telling people to do these affirmations. They're like, my life's not changing because they need deliverance. They need freedom. They need salvation. They need the blood of Jesus. And you're trying to tell people just keep believing. And they're like, I'm believing all the way to hell. So it's like the power of positive thinking is no power. Isn't it just like the devil to take a concept that doesn't work and connect the word power to it? Isn't he good like that? Just say it's powerful. They'll believe it. The problem is after a while, they realize it doesn't get any results. So the new thing is the word manifestation. And people say manifest, make it manifest. The more we talk about it, manifest. Steve Jobs manifested. Uh, you know, they, they quote all these gurus. They manifested. Yeah, the problem with manifestation is that the devil is in the blessing business too. So a manifestation says nothing about the source. Oh, I am preaching so good. I am preaching so good. Was it not the devil that took Jesus to the mountaintop and said, I'll manifest all of this? And so it's like, well, Steve Jobs manifested. Yeah, I hope he got saved before it was all over because the devil's in the blessing business too. And sometimes he'll blind you by success if he can't bind you by failure. I'm telling you, someone's like, man, I'm doing good. I manifested this. And the devil's like, yeah, we did a great job, didn't we? See, <laughs> Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. And then Paul picked up on that and said, I desire that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. And so the word manifest means manifestation is something that is made real but here's the thing. This is a V1 church culture moment. When we use the word manifest, it means that our lives make Jesus real to the world. Did you hear me? So when we say, I'm just going to manifest success, if that success does not make Jesus more real to the world, it's no success at all. So let me give you an example. I want you to imagine it's winter in New York. Everyone's like, please don't do this. Please, Pastor Mike. Man, I moved from Indiana. You guys are babies. You ever seen that Star Wars episode where the guy's chasing him into the cave? And anyways, that's Indiana. It's bad. But I want you to imagine winter and you go to put on your gloves. How much work of movement does your gloves do? The answer is none. It's the hand that animates the glove. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
It's the hand that animates the glove. You don't attribute humanness to the glove. You attribute it to the hand within the glove. It's the Holy Spirit that animates the gifts of the Spirit. We are the glove. He is the movement. He is the one that does the work. I don't even hardly have to yell when I'm doing deliverance because I don't cast the demon out. The power of the Holy Spirit casts the demon out. I don't have to strive. I don't have to yell for you. Now, sometimes I do yell, but that's more for me than it is for God. It just feels good. I'm just being real. But there's no biblical template for I need to because the glove it's a, different, it's a different dimension of understanding the gifts of the Spirit. But here's the problem with the gifts of the Spirit. If the gifts of the Spirit are, no, are not cohabitating with the fruits of the Spirit, you will, <laughs> you, will end up, you will end up being one of those preachers who are crying out on Judgment Day, but I preached in your name, but I used my gift but I cast out demons in your name. And he's going to say, yeah, but I gave you a gift in a season when you knew me. The gift remained, but you exited my presence. Sometimes you have preachers. See, preaching is one of the only jobs you can keep doing for years after you've already been fired. It's one of those things that you can just get up and say the right things. Being a Christian, acting like a Christian. I have friends who are atheists that do impressions of us better than us because they know how Christians think. They know how they talk. They parody us. And it's possible to receive a gift from God in one season and you exit his presence. No, I was very intentional with that word because he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. But that doesn't say anything about our choice to walk away from him. And there's people that have a gift. I've been, you know, I've been around people that do things. You know, I've been around people who prophesy in the company of prophets, but they don't know the one that they're prophesying on behalf of. And, you know, it's funny, the thing about God and his mercy, and I want to say this about the gifts of the Spirit, is that oftentimes God, because people say, well, what about these pastors that fall? What about these, these, what about the, how could God do that? What if I told you that God is so merciful that he saves someone through someone who was yet in sin? What if God used the gift so that that person could come to Christ, even that that other person was struggling? And it's a mysterious thing, the way that God operates and works. But let us never become that person. Let us be the real deal, amen? First Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 7, but the manifestations of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Manifestation is making Christ known. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the Spirit, okay? So wisdom is an understanding that is a gift from God. Now, normally, knowledge is actually accumulated through learning, but you can have the gift of knowledge where you receive information about things you've never learned about in reality. And typically wisdom is from above and knowledge is from within. But in this context, wisdom can be from above and knowledge can be from above. It's a different level. And the gift of wisdom, you know, You know how you know you have the gift of wisdom? Can I just tell you a secret I've learned over the years? Because everybody's like, I have the gift of wisdom. If other people say you have it. If you say you have the gift of wisdom, you probably have the gift of pride. If other people, if nobody asks you questions, it's because they don't want your wisdom. I'm just going to tell you straight up. If nobody, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you. But you can receive the gift of wisdom. And when people seek you out and they want to know from you, it's the hallmark of the gift of wisdom. You know, Solomon had the gift of wisdom. He was sought out from the nations. They traveled from everywhere to hear what he had to say. Okay, I'm going to pick up the pace because we're about to close. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the Spirit. So we read in the 14th chapter of John, beginning with the 12th verse, that believers, all believers, everybody say all. All All believers can heal the sick with the power of Christ working in them. 
So you're like, Pastor Mike, I'm confused because you have the gift of healing, but then you have the ability for all to heal. So what's the difference between all can heal as believers? That's like, she's playing the keyboard, but she can heal if she laid her hands. You know how I know? Because we went to Ukraine. Oh, don't make me cry. Because we went to Ukraine together in a hospital where there's no healing in medical means for cancer patients. And this woman came running out of a room screaming. And you know, Papa Sigs gets a little defensive. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I prayed for a man with throat cancer who is in so much pain. And he just told me he can swallow again. The pain left his body. And she's celebrating that healing. So all can heal. But then there's another level to healing. That's, it's, it's another level. And how do I know that? The gift of healing was in the apostle Peter. Because Peter walked by and his shadow healed people. Why? Because there was a gift of healing. It was another dimension. I have a good friend. His name's Charlie Champ. Years ago, uh, Charlie Champ and I, we went into the streets of uh, South Bend, Indiana. And he just, man, it was so convicting because Charlie was like, let's pray for people that they get healed. This elderly woman and her husband were walking down the sidewalk and she had a walker and she was kind of walking with, and Charlie looked at me. He's like, this is it. We're going to pray for this woman. She's going to get healed. Now, can I tell you my real thought? My real thought was she's old. She's supposed to have a walker. Like she's, the blessing is that she's not dead yet. <laughs> I'm just being, I told you how real can I be? I was like, old people have walkers. That's normal. You don't live forever. You know what I'm saying? Right? You were doing the stanky legs so, so many years. You wore yourself out. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you how fleshly I'm because I preach these sermons and I speak in tongues and I do all this crazy stuff and everyone's like, oh, he's a rock star. He's a celebrity. No, it's like, I want to take you back. There are moments in my life where the Lord changed me. You're looking at a process, not a person. It's a person in a process. And I'm carnal just like you. And I remember I looked at that woman. I was like, this is her season in life to have a walker. What's the big deal? I didn't say it. I didn't want to be that guy. So we walked up and she had her and Charlie was like, hey, how are you guys doing today? And uh, she was like, I'm doing fine. And he said, hey, I know this is crazy, but can I pray for you? I think God can heal you. You won't even need the walker. And I was like, oh, here we go. She's going to be disappointed. You know, when you, you know when you make up your mind in a way that God would have never made it up? Or you speak on behalf of God and God's like, don't put those limits on me. And so... I, so anyways, Charlie began to pray for her and he was like, hey, I know this is kind of weird, but I'm gonna get down and like, you know, he asked the husband, can I touch your wife's kneecaps? <laughs> and he was like, go ahead. So, so he began to, to pray for her knees and I watched this elderly woman, she starts giggling and she's like, ooh, it tingles. <laughs> and she's like, and then she starts bouncing and she's like, oh, then she starts laughing hard. Like, oh, I think this is happening. And her voice started sounding young again. Oh, man. And all of a sudden, she started going like this more. And she goes, I think I can jump. She goes, can I jump? And Charlie's like, yeah, jump. And this elderly woman starts jumping. And then she, he's like, come on, let's walk. And she's walking. She's looking at her husband wide-eyed going, oh, this is a, look, look, look. All of a sudden, she comes, now this is several minutes past. We're celebrating. She goes, what's your name again? He's like, Charlie. And she goes, Charlie, I don't think I need this walker anymore. I'm not going home with it. You can have it. She goes, you can have it. And she literally gave us the walker. And all of a sudden, this is one of the most convicting moments of my life, guys. I'm telling you, this is real. This was not in a church. This was not in a healing service. This was on the street. There was no camera crew, nothing. And all of a sudden, the woman walked away healed with her husband, this elderly woman. And Charlie held up this walker. And he looked at me and says, isn't God amazing? 
and we had to walk around with that walker. He threw it over his shoulder and we came to the next person. He said, hey, this used to be a woman's walker 15 minutes ago. Can I pray for you too? And we started a movement on those streets in South Bend and that walker was a sign of the power of God. But it's the gift of God. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't be holy enough. You can't be good enough. Jesus already solved that for you. He was holy. He was the only one righteous. And his blood, when we took communion, you know what you were saying? I can operate in all the gifts of the Spirit because this blood that I'm partaking in covers me. And when God sees me, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see my failures. He doesn't see my sin. He sees his Son. And when his son says you'll do greater, it's because he gave us the ability. To one, I give the working of miracles. Now you're like, Pastor Mike, that's healing. What about miracles? There's a man named Moses. He was a murderer. In case you're feeling bad about yourself, he killed somebody. You know, I don't know what you did that's worse than that. But see, he had the working of miracles. He parted the Red Sea through his hand. It's something unusual. It doesn't make sense. Miracles are different than healing. Miracles are things that defy wonder. They defy science. They defy the natural mind, and God can do it. And I just want to create an atmosphere in our church where miracles are normal because the best marketing is miracles. Everybody's trying to, oh, if we sing the song perfect, the people will come. If we make the chairs real comfortable, they'll come. Well, that did work in the movie theater because we had recliners. It worked really well. But see, the, the, the kingdom was always, there's a man from Nazareth that can heal what nobody else can heal. There's a man from Nazareth that if you're tormented by demons, you can leave and never be tormented again and have this peace. There's a man from Nazareth that knows I have divorces, but treated me like a daughter, not like my divorce. There's a man from Nazareth that he speaks and he calms the seas. There's a man from Nazareth that took all these low-life losers, these flunkies and failures, and he activated them and made them great. And I want to be under that rabbi. I want the yoke of his interpretation of the scriptures. There's a man from Nazareth. There's a man from Nazareth. That's what the gifts have always been. They bear witness to Jesus. And there's miracles happening today through 16-year-olds in countries You'll never know them because they're not famous, but they're known by heaven because they're obedient. There's things happening all around. There's denominations that have taught that the gifts were only for the apostles. The problem with that is Stephen the apostle got stoned and they gave, they, they, they put someone else in his position. And so in other words, we know that after an apostle dies, an apostle is replaced. Then all of a sudden we know that there's apostles other than the original ones because Paul wasn't an original one and Jesus himself called him to be apostle. And then there's another one beyond Paul called Junia who was a woman. So you have this situation where the gift of the apostle never left the earth. It kept being transferred to other people's lives. The prophet, people are still prophesying to the nations with accuracy. The teachers are still teaching the word. The preachers are proclaiming. Come on, does somebody hear me? Pastors are pastoring. The gifts of the spirit are still functioning. And just because one person says no, doesn't mean that heaven's released a holy yes. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for the activation of the gifts of the Spirit, but never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. You need to hush until you heal. Bitter prophets. The enemy loves bitter prophets. Are you discerning of spirits? Do you have the gift or do you have the gift of negativity? If everything's a demon, if everything's, if everything's wrong, if you've never discerned an angelic spirit, do you have discerning of spirits? It's discerning of spirits, plural. Human spirits, angelic spirits, and demonic spirits. If everything's a demon, if everything's wrong, you've got the gift of discouragement, not the gift of discernment. Okay? I'll never forget the gift of di discerning of spirits will enable you to know if it's human, if it's angelic, or if it's demonic. And we, the Bible, I'm gonna take, I'm really just preaching the Bible to you. You guys could know all this if you read it. 
But see, the problem is religion doesn't want you to read your Bible. It wants me to read it to you. And see, here's what happens. The Bible says that you will entertain angels unaware. It means that you may have had a full-blown encounter and a conversation with an angel and never even knew it. And see, I remember that before Everly was born, I walked into our apartment. As soon as I walked in the door, I had a momentary vision of the entire apartment full of angels. And I was like, whoa, like it looked like a massive crowd, just like I'm looking into this crowd now. I saw all of their heads and I saw them and then it dissipated. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, these are the angels that are assigned to your daughter Everly's life and she's about to be born. They're here and ready for their assignment. That is the day that Julie went to the hospital and then all, you know, she was, it's, the baby was born. So there's this discerning of spirits, there's knowing Matter of fact, you look at the Old Testament and the servant to the prophet's like, we're done for now. There's no way we can survive this. I'm so scared. And the prophet's like, man, you rookie, go back out there and look again. You need the gift of discerning of spirits because you're not seeing right. You've got one eye open and one eye sees the natural. But when you open the other eye, there's an exceedingly great army of angels that are there standing by. And there are more for us than against us. Discerning of spirits to know, to know. Matter of fact, it's crazy because at the time, maybe I'm saying too much, but I remember that I was walking down the street before Easter and immediately the Lord showed me these huge angels on both sides of me, like rugged, nasty looking, mean ones, like with scars over their eyes, <laughs> you know, like, like crazy mangy looking. That's how I saw it. And the Lord said, I'm increasing the influence on V1 church. It's starting with you, but I'm bringing angelic protection for the warfare to sustain what I've called you to. All of a sudden, Easter Sunday happens, and uh, I go down into the bathroom to wash my hands, and there's a man shaking, crying, saying, Pastor Mike, when you walked up on stage, I seen these two huge angels, and he describes them just like I described them. He received the gift of discerning of spirits and was given supernatural ability to see in the spirit realm. And But guess what? You listen to me, atheist? Try to tell that dude it's not real when he's washing his hands, shaken, disturbed by what he saw in the spirit. I wanna end like this. The greatest contributing factor to atheism today is not the result of lacking teaching materials, but rather lacking the manifestation of God's presence through the gifts of the spirit. Atheism, atheism is a result of holding back the gifts of the spirit from the body of Christ. Because when you release the gifts through impartation, I had two different guys of multinational Christian organizations call me and say, we wanna bring you all the way out to Hawaii for one reason. How many of you'd like to go to Hawaii? They said, we wanna fly you all the way. That's 12 hours of flight. I did this two weeks ago. And they said, we only want one thing from you. We want to get in a room with you and you lay your hands on us and impart the gifts of the Spirit. That's all they wanted. They said, because what we've seen on your house is so real and we believe in impartation. I flew out there, sick as a dog. All of a sudden, these guys came in the room. I laid my hands on the first guy. He fell out in the spirit and started laughing and said, I have not fallen out in the spirit in over 10 years. He said, the glory's here. The glory's here. He kept saying it. Then I prayed for the other guy and he went, oh, like that. The glory's here because they understand what I'm talking about. How many of you want the gifts of the Spirit? Earnestly covet. Earnestly covet. Like, I want to be like Charlie Champ. I want to be like these stories. I want that, God. I tried to stir up an appetite in you. Now I want to stir up an activation. Are you ready? Come on. Come on. Come on. I said, are you ready? Do you believe it for your home? Do you believe it for your children? Do you believe it? Come on, do you earnestly covet it? Come on, heaven is celebrating because they're like, yes! This is what they had in the first century and now it's coming back in the 21st century and it's about to be, oh, come on, exciting again.
So raise your hands if you want a gift of the Spirit. Some of you, the Bible says He distributes as He wills. That means some receive one, some receive four, some receive eight, but to whom much is given, much is required. So before I pray for every single one of you, I want you to make a commitment. Come on, that you are going to be faithful to whatever gift. Don't ask for healing if you ain't gonna pray for nobody. Don't ask for faith if you're not gonna speak it out in faith and declare it and just know that you know. Don't ask for miracles if you're not gonna pray for miracles and stand on it. Come on, did that, how many of you gonna be faithful? God is faithful to the faithful. Come on, Sandra. Come on, Pastor Moses. With every hand lifted, the Lord told me today's Christmas. It's the gifts of the Spirit. He's giving gifts to His children. Some of you are going to receive it in your seat. It's going to be like a gut punch when I pray. He's going to just release it to you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Some of you are going to start to speak in tongues as you receive the gift of tongues. It happens all the time. Some of you are going to receive the gift of faith, miracles, the gifts that I listed. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? you got to stir up your faith. One, two, three. Now, 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 now. I release the gifts to be imparted and activated inside of every single one of the believers. More, 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 more. Now, now, now. In the name of Jesus, we release it. Come on, somebody's receiving it now. Come on, now, in the name of Jesus. Miracles, signs, wonders, healing. Somebody's receiving the gift of knowledge. Someone's receiving the gift of wisdom right now. Wisdom, wisdom be released. Someone's receiving the gift of discerning of spirits. Your eyes are being opened. There's an ability to see in the spirit realm now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Oh, I hear the Lord unlocking the dam. Let it break forth. Let the wine flow. Let the prophets prophesy. Let the preachers proclaim. Let the teachers explain. Let the evangelists go into all the earth. Let the gifts flow. Let them flow. Let the wine of your spirit flow. Holy Spirit, baptize. Holy Spirit, flood their soul. Holy Spirit, move now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Come on, let's celebrate. 